Welcome to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We're glad that you've chosen to join us today as you continue your study of this quarter's lesson. The subject is on death, dying, and the future hope. And our hope is that your hope will be increased as we study this week's lesson together. We are on lesson number seven, a very uplifting lesson, as you would expect it probably would be being number seven. But also, we are here joined by the author's lesson, and that is Dr. Alberto Tim. He is an associate director of the Ellen G. White Estate. Alberto, welcome back. So glad to join you. Alberto, this week we are looking at Christ's victory over death. And as we look at this particular subject, I want to I start by reading a verse, and it happens to be the, the memory verse for this quarter, or pardon me, for this week's lesson. It's Revelation chapter 1 and verses 17 and 18. Revelation 1, 17 and 18 says, And when I saw him, this is John speaking, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. We've been looking at death, dying this, uh, this quarter, also looking at the hope that, uh, that we have yet to come. But bearing these verses in mind that we just read, what hope does a person have if their body is deteriorated, if there's nothing left of them but ashes, but dirt? Maybe there's not even that. Maybe they were lost at sea. How can a resurrection take place if there's so little to work with or, or in some cases, really nothing to work with uh, left? What, what hope is there in that? Well, from a human perspective, there is no hope whatsoever because the person is gone. So this is something. But from the, the perspective of God's power, his promise, and his word, I would say that there is no reason for us to doubt. After all, life in itself is a mystery. Sometimes I look to a flower or a leaf from a tree, and you see, how does it come that it has life? And what is life? You can come with all kinds of philosophy to explain what is life, but we haven't been able to create life. So the mystery of life that is all around us, the grass and so on, and don't confuse it with God, because this is just an expression of his creating power, not an extension of God itself. And the same thing with us. Uh, life is a mystery, and how it began also. God created in this way. If God was able to create human beings from the ground and through his power, and power uh, through his power, the non-life came into life, and this is a mystery, I think it would be less complex to, to, for God to bring life again into existence with our own identity. How it will take place, this is something with God. But we know from his sure word, and is not one passage, but is a motif, is a theme in the Bible, the concept of resurrection, and that we will be known as such. 
because even Jesus said that we would be with Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, and so in that gathering over there. So how do we know that those are the people? Because God, even our own identity, will preserve. So we've got something to look forward to, encouraging promises in the Bible. But really, all of those promises are dependent upon the fact that Jesus himself rose. Because if, if he didn't rise, well, we'd, we'd, be in, uh, we'd be in a pickle. I don't know that that's a deep theological word, but it's what we'd be in. Um, let's come back to Jesus' resurrection. When, when Jesus did rise, that, was, that caused a bit of consternation among some of the priests and the Pharisees. They didn't want anyone to believe that Jesus was alive again. What were some of the strategies that they used? What were some ways that they went about trying to obscure that, that very positive fact? First of all, they went to Pilate and asked him to, uh, to have some kind of ceiling, to have a huge stone uh, at the entrance of the tomb, and then to put a Roman seal, and even more, some kind of uh, Roman soldiers, powerful ones, so there would be no way for somebody to steal, to, to take Jesus' body out. And that was, uh, they were a little bit afraid about this matter, but that was a strategy so that they would not steal Jesus' body and then later on claim that he was risen. And so they decided to protect in this way. It did not work out as expected. Then they tried even to, to pay some money for them to, for the soldiers to, to give a wrong witness. No, we were asleep over there. We were a, re- a little bit distracted and so. And then when we did not pay enough attention, they, uh, uh, they took Jesus' body. But nothing of this um, uh, prevented Jesus from raising. Actually, it made, it helped to make Jesus' uh, resurrection even more dramatic than uh, if it would be just here being laying there and coming back to life. So, so Jesus managed to thwart them uh, through his resurrection. Here, here's a question that that sometimes gets asked. When, when Jesus rose, depending on which gospel you want to read the account from, it talks about there being an angel at his tomb or there being angels, plural, at his tomb. Which was it? Well, this is a very interesting question. It's worthwhile reflecting on, on it. You find two gospels that speak of two angels at a resurrection close to the tomb, and other two Gospels speak of just one. So which one do you prefer? Which one do you want to stay with? This is not the way how we interpret the Bible. The best way is always, in my understanding, always to take the most complete picture. And let me distract a little bit from this topic. For instance, in the Bible, you have references to God the Father, You have many other references to God the Father and the Son. And you have other passages that speak of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which 
with which line of passages do I stay? Some people just decide what they prefer. But this is not the case. We should always take the most comprehensive, the broader picture in mind. Otherwise, you will always distort the Bible. If I say, well, there is only the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit do not exist. That's not the case. Because the Bible refers to the three. And the same thing happens in this case. I believe that they were two angels. Because the text is clear. But the other two Gospels were not concerned about the number of angels, but only about the angel that was speaking over there. So I believe that there are two angels, and I don't see any contradiction, just the emphasis of the the other ones was so. I could say, for instance, you came by car. Okay, I am not saying that you came alone. There might be other people in the car, but I was concerned in you, arriving here. And so, this does not exclude more people. And so, I don't think that a reference to one angel excludes the other one that was also there. So, it makes a lot of sense. There's every bit of evidence that there were two angels and instead of just one. L- let, me, let me come back to a, a less, uh, less diminutive question, I guess and a a more impactful question. And that is, what about Christ's resurrection? What's the meaning of Christ's resurrection? If we want to get down to the depths of things, what is the significance, the meaning of Christ's resurrection? Why is it important to us? Actually, that was the seal of uh, approval on on Christ's sacrifice on the cross. Actually, we cannot isolate the death of Christ on the cross and his resurrection because this is a whole package. But actually, if Christ would just die and not raise from the dead, as Paul says, for instance, in 1 Corinthians 15, then we would be lost. But in reality, the power, the one that raised people from the dead during his lifetime, and uh, in special reference we can make to Lazarus, now he himself experienced death, and actually he did not die only the first death. He died the second death. And what does it mean? The first death is the natural death that we die. But the second death, that will be the final destruction of the wicked, there, are no, there is no resurrection from that death, that form of death. But his death is vicar, vicarious, or in other words, he died for us so that we, although we might face the natural death, we will not need to, to face the second death, and, but instead we will have everlasting life. And this is very meaningful. Actually, when Jesus rose from the graves, there, from the grave, that was really the seal, the final proof that he triumphed. He got a victory at the cross, and now he triumphed over the powers of evil. And there was no more hope for Satan and his angels that they would be able to gain the victory of Christ. That was the final word, and that's it. So when Jesus rose, that settled things 
uh, in a very final manner, which for you and for me, hopefully, is a good thing. Because that means that we have the hope of eternal life. And without Christ's resurrection, without his death on the cross, we wouldn't have that hope because he wouldn't have paid that price. He, didn't, he wouldn't have tasted death for every man. But the good news is he did. The good news is he rose. The good news is that today he is up in heaven ministering on my behalf and your behalf. And because of that, because we have an intercessor, that means we can come boldly to the throne of grace and seek that help that we need because we cannot save ourselves. We simply don't have the ability to. But that's why Jesus is there to offer salvation to us. I want to encourage you, if you've been enjoying this quarter's Sabbath School lessons, make sure you pick up the companion book to this quarter's lesson. It's on death, dying, and the future hope. The author is Alberto Tim, and you can find that at itiswritten.shop. Again, that's itiswritten.shop. You can find the book on death, dying, and the future hope. It goes into greater detail on what we've been studying here week by week. I know that you'll enjoy it. We're going to be back in just a minute or two as we continue looking at this incredible subject, Christ's victory over death. We'll see you back in just a moment. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study Guides online. 25 in-depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed, and it's something you'll want to tell others about as well. itiswritten.study. Go further. itiswritten.study. Welcome to Line Upon Line, brought to you by It Is Written. Was it God's plan for sin to enter the world? Is the building of a temple necessary before Jesus returns? That's a good question. And I think we've got a pretty good answer for you here. Temptation is not sin. God says, put me to the test. Welcome back to Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. We're continuing looking at this subject of Christ's victory over death, his, his resurrection. Uh, Alberto, let me, let me ask you this question as we kind of get into this segment. We've talked about the death of Christ. We've talked about the resurrection of Christ. Which of them is more important? This is a very difficult question to answer. But I would say, just in a few words, that without the death of Christ, Christ, there would be no payment for our sins. There would be no salvation whatsoever. And for this reason, I think that apostolic preaching was very much focused on the Christ that was dead and was risen later on. But the resurrection of Christ was the triumphant outcome of it, because when Satan failed to keep him, uh, I mean, in the grave, and Christ came into life, that was actually the seal of everything, in, as I mentioned before. In other words, the guarantee, the prototype, or whatever word you want to use, that we 
or those who died in Christ will raised also. So he opened the gates of, uh, of death. And uh, in the book of Revelation, even you have that image that he has the, the keys that unlock the grave so that we all can have hope. Whether we stay alive till Jesus comes or we are called to death, whatever God knows what will be the best in this case, but we have a hope that goes far beyond the grave. And that one was assured to Christ that paying the price for us and his resurrection opening the doors for us also to have this wonderful hope. So there's hope in, in both his death and his resurrection. That's encouraging. Alberto, let me, let me share a few verses with you and get your thoughts on them, because when we talk about Christ's resurrection, there are some things that happened around that time that sometimes people have questions about that don't seem to make sense. Um, I want to read one here, a passage from Matthew chapter 27. In Matthew chapter 27, verses 51 through 53, it says this, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Who were these people who came back to life at this significant time? time. We don't know exactly by name who was there, but we know that people from the Old Testament, some of the prophets, definitely so. And please do not speculate saying this was the one or so. Some people even argue that John the Baptist, Jesus allowed him to die so that he could, uh, could raise among them. This is a possibility, but I would not make a big deal out of it because it's just a possibility out of imagination. But you know that a group, significant group of people, I mean, of the Old Testament times, uh, were raised. And this is very significant, outstanding, because you remember that the Pharisees, the high, uh, I mean, the priesthood of, at that time, they were all planning some strategies to avoid the body of Jesus to be robbed, to be taken there, and also not to be... And then later on, they even bribed the, I mean, the, the soldiers in a certain way to, for them to lie. But can you imagine the Bible passage here that you just read is so clear because it says that many of those raised from the dead, so there was an earthquake when Jesus died and a, another earthquake when he raised up. So it was quite significant. And with Jesus came all these uh, people from the grave. We don't know how many, who they are, but this does not matter. What really matters here is that, as the text says, that they went into the city of Jerusalem, definitely so, where things were happening, and appeared to many. That really was a trouble for all those high priests and religious leaders at that time because they were trying to, to spread around some fake news. 
using our language at that time, and it didn't work because as they were speaking in one place, somebody came, well, this is not true, this is a lie, because I raised with Christ also, and I am a eyewitness of Jesus' resurrection. So no wonder that apostolic preaching at the beginning was not only that Christ died, but he raised from the dead. And the the resurrection was crucial because that was the victory. And this generated a whole, not saying turmoil, but there was quite a, a, from the disappointment of the cross into the victory, the good news of the resurrection. And nobody could uh, stop the disciples of Christ and the early Christians from spreading this uh, news around because it was too powerful. The whole context and even these witnesses appearing to many. When when we look at this portion of of Earth's history, there are elements, significant what you call it, experiences in Earth's history that are marked by by three-word phrases. I, I think all the way back to the very beginning in Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Now, now we come down here to, to Christ on the cross, and the three words, it is finished, are significant words. And then the empty tomb, the empty grave, he is risen. So just simple synopses of, of significant things that are going on here. Let's take a look at something else here. Over in 1 Corinthians 15, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 16 and 18, Paul writes about the significance of Christ's resurrection for for us, for him, but certainly for us as well. 1 Corinthians 15, verse number 16, here's what Paul says. He says, For if the dead do not rise then Christ is not risen. In verse 18, he says, then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. And verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Paul is making a a very important statement here. What point is he trying to get across? Well, In this case, Paul is going even a step farther in the sense of being more explicit. Let's suppose that all the teachings of the Old Testament and New Testament on the state of the dead, that they are unconscious in the grave, and that the only only hope is the resurrection, the bodily resurrection, for people to get conscious and come alive again. If that is not enough, Paul here says, well, in another words, he says, well, if there is no resurrection, there is no hope, because those who are in Christ, they perished in this case. How could Paul say that if those who, are, who, those who died in Christ are perished or will have no life if the soul goes directly, the supposed soul would go directly to paradise, heaven, or whatever you want to call it uh, after that. Because then they were already in, they would be already in their reward. But Paul says, no, without resurrection, please, there is no everlasting life. 
So in this case, I don't think that we need a, a clearer text than this one that you just read. So Paul says we do have that hope. Now, un- unpack it just a little bit more. How does the death of Christ assure our own salvation? How do we find ourselves in that? How can we be sure that if he died and rose again, that we can partake of that as well? Actually, he is the the first one to be raised as such. Not the first one because there were people there, but he is really the one that opened the way of the gates. And uh, to be participating of his death and resurrection is something very significant for us because in reality, uh, Christ dead, uh, as I mentioned before, paid the price, but now his resurrection is the guarantee. The word that all the other ones that died in Christ, they will have also the hope of a resurrection. And you don't need a stronger evidence for the resurrection than the resurrection of Christ himself. Of course, there are people that deny the resurrection of Christ today. But if you deny that Christ actually died and that he raised from the dead, then there is no hope left for us. But we have this blessed assurance. And probably in your mind, you will have some hymns, some songs about the resurrection, that he is risen again and so on and triumphed over that. And I think that if you have a chance, you might be, I'm not saying that you sh- uh, should go out and sing the song, but at least reflect on some of the major songs of our uh, Christian uh, tradition that speak about the resurrection, and that can bring life and rejoice to you, not only about yourself, but sometimes we stop and miss beloved ones that are no longer with us, that hoped for the second coming, but they are resting in Christ. This is a hope not only for ourselves, but that we will be together with those ones. When Jesus comes, the trumpet sounds, using the language of Paul, and all those come from the grave. There can be no most glorious hope like this one. So that picture that that Paul paints, that Jesus gives us, the ability to experience, the opportunity to experience, that's, that's the greatest parade that the world has ever seen. That day when Christ comes back and brings the dead in Christ, in him, back to life again, and they begin that incredible journey to heaven. That's something that Jesus desires you to experience. It's something that he desires me to experience. Every single one of us, he wants us to experience that, and he makes it possible. For, so what remains is for you and me to decide whether or not we want to be a part of that great parade. And I hope that you have decided you want to be a part of it. We are looking at on death, dying, and the future hope. We're about halfway through, exactly halfway through. That means we've got halfway to go, and you don't want to miss a single lesson. So we look forward to seeing you next week as we continue our journey through this incredible subject here on Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written. 